today we're talking about how to navigate the entrepreneur roller coaster, mastering your daily activities, and the process of building a successful SaaS company with your friends. Welcome to episode 27 with Luke Hessler. You are listening to Len Jones Party of Two, where experts and influencers speak honestly and openly about their keys to success. Sponsored by TrueFace.ai, where your face is the key. For more information on TrueFace, please contact your host at ian at trueface.ai. Now, pay close attention, because you're going to learn today. Oh, uh-huh, what up, what up, party peeps? You already know that today is a phenomenal day to have a good day. And you hear me say that a lot because it's part of the process of creating your reality. Being able to train your brain to see the best in things is a real thing, and it starts with saying it and believing it. Therefore, next time someone asks, how are you? I want you to reply with, living the dream. You'll find you'll get some mixed responses with some people, even thinking you're joking. And that's when you look them in the eye and hit them with a the straight smile that says, I am too blessed to be stressed. Slowly but surely, this daily training of the mind will help you escape whatever crappy situation you found yourself in. And there is no better teacher of this philosophy behind training your mind than today's guest, Luke Hessler. And if you're new to the podcast, our mission here is twofold. To educate aspiring entrepreneurs by dissecting the come-up stories of incredible humans, by extracting the golden nuggets that you can apply now to better your life. And second, to have all my friends in my life that are making moves. To me, my other friends, friends in life making moves to create one giant community of extraordinary people. So in the words of Luke Hessler, the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. When you hear Luke's story, your response is going to be something along the lines of, damn, an epic story of ups and downs and an accurate depiction of the entrepreneur roller coaster. I first met Luke over five years ago in a company we were both a part of. As a young college kid, he built a 4,000 person business of predominantly young people inside the health and wellness industry, which was racking him around 30 to 40 G's a month. What I found so interesting back then was how Luke was a master at creating an electrifying culture that was magnetic in nature. He has this phenomenal ability to make you believe you can achieve whatever you want and have fun doing it. It was no surprise that later in his career, Luke went on to actually start his own company inside of direct sales doing bucket list activities, which for those who understand the industry is by far no easy task. I was particularly interested in Luke's most recent traditional business experience with his company Invigorate, which was founded by an incredible team of entrepreneurs. I find it fascinating the correlation between traditional startups and direct sales organizations. Luke went deep into topics such as how to master the day by mastering your calendar, the process of becoming the best version of yourself, how anyone can become an influencer, mastering your daily activities, and the process in building a SaaS company with your friends. Luke smashed this podcast, and I know this is one that'll leave you smiling and taking action on your next big dream. So if you find some brain berries in today's episode, then you owe it to a friend to share it with them. Our goal here is to spread the love and have you all making moves. Now, without further ado, let's jump into it. We are live. We are out here with the man, Mr. Luke Hessler. Luke, how you doing, homie? Hey, too blessed to be stressed, man. Life is good. Absolutely. And Luke, dude, you've had, we've known each other for a very long time and I've seen your journey and all the different places you've gone and you have just constantly continued to level up to, to I, you know, the whole phrase, every level has a new devil. I feel like you have constantly seen that and just consistently gotten better every single time. How, how have you been? How are you doing? Um, like I said, man, I'm, I'm blessed. And, um, and I think what you just, you know, just said is a, is a major key, you know, every level does have a new devil and it's a, it's a new, it's almost like a video game, you know, it's like to get to the next level of the video game, you got to beat the boss, you know, at the end of that side. Um, and, uh, and it's been cool, you know, going through a lot of these different levels at a young age. And, um, I'm excited to be on here, share a little bit of that knowledge with you guys is uh, following here. You've started a few different ventures. You have a very unique perspective because unless you did something before, I believe you first got started big time in entrepreneurship, the same company I was with Vima back in the day. And it really kind of unlocked that entrepreneur spirit, but you went one step beyond that and you kind of helped pave the path to founding a network marketing company. Very unique. Could you kind of expand and, and tell the story about what that was all about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, as you said, when, you know, when I was 19 years old, I got involved in the network marketing industry, big dreams, you know, worked hard and did, did pretty well. Had some um, unfortunate situations go down that caused, you know, us to change directions. And 
Um, you know, I went to another company after that and, you know, I got introduced to a different side of the industry. You know, I, I didn't know that there were these backroom deals. I didn't know that there were all these, you know, these, these placing in different spots and like all, all this stuff, you know, I just thought every, I was ignorant, you know, I just thought everybody starts at the bottom and builds their way up. And so I got introduced to kind of a different side of the industry, a side of it that, you know, didn't resonate as well with me, um, as, you know, just kind of like the, 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 everybody on the same level type game. Um, and so with that being said, I think as an entrepreneur, you know, if, if you don't like something or if there's a problem, you know, that you experience, um, you know, that it's, it's kind of your obligation to go and create a solution. Right. And um, that was the goal, you know, when, when going and starting this company is that, you know, we wanted to create a solution. We wanted to create a company that was fun, that was exciting, that was, um, you know, unique and different. And that was geared around a lot of millennials because that's that's really the story that we went out there and told. And so um, we didn't you know, go and start our own company from the ground up, per se, simply for the fact that um, it's too much risk. You know, I didn't want to be a, be on the corporate side of things. I didn't want to go and have to, you know, raise, you know, millions of dollars or whatever needs to be done to, to really get an infrastructure in place to start a company. But instead, what we did is we leveraged the existing infrastructure of a company that had been around for about 10 years, but wasn't skyrocketing. You know, they had consistent growth, good revenue, but they were kind of like this for a while. We came to them. We said, hey, we have an idea for a product. We have an idea for a brand. Um, you know, we can go and create sales. We can do marketing. You know, we can do all that kind of stuff. Just let us kind of leverage your existing infrastructure. And so and so that's what we did. What's really cool now is you've dipped your toes into traditional business and all different forms of business now. And I'm curious, as, as myself, I'm involved in a startup, still involved in network marketing. And I just am obsessed with, like, for example, the lessons I've learned in network marketing and how relevant they are to a traditional business. But at the same time, how excited I am for both aspects of both different you know, sides of it. Uh, I'm curious, how do you think that traditional business and network marketing sort of intersect? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I would say number one is that it's, it's all about you. You know, it's, it's the person that you become. You know, it's like what most people think about in business is that it's a, it's a doing process. I have to do this. It's a bunch of checklists they need to, they need to you know, get done. Um, and the reality of the situation is that it's not. It really is a becoming process. It's this evolutionary process of you becoming the best version of yourself in really all areas of your life. Um, and the mental fortitude that's required in order to succeed in any entrepreneurial venture is pretty incredible um, because there's always so many things that possibly could go wrong at any time, you know, and, and, it, and it takes a lot of mental energy and mental strength to be able to focus on, you know, what could go right versus what could go wrong, but at the same time, being pragmatic about it and not being blindly idealistic. And so there's this balance that you have to have as an entrepreneur that's a beautiful balance that is, and I would say it's a mindset where it doesn't matter what vehicle you're in, whether it's traditional um, you know, entrepreneurship, whether it's network marketing, you know, whether it's insurance, whether it's what you, whether you're a professional athlete, it's just, it's an achiever's mindset. You know, it's this idea that where you're at isn't where you're always going to be. It's the idea that you can change things, you know, that you can grow, that you can evolve. And it's the dedication to that process and taking every single experience, whether you get your, you know, intended outcome from that experience or not, you get something positive from it because it's either you win or you learn, right? right? And so, and it's taking that mindset to it. And so that's universal you know, amongst whether it's network marketing or traditional business. And I'd say that's, that's the most important thing, honestly. Yeah. And, and you mentioned a lot of like the foundational roots there. And I think something that's so uh, crucial to learn early is, is getting on the road of personal development. What has been your experience with personal development? And how do you think personal development can, can really just change someone's whole outlook on life, business and all these things? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a good question. And, um, I mean, the first one is kind of what's my take on personal development is that I've kind of now it's less of I don't call it as much of personal development as much as I would call it more of self-discovery, because, you know, what I've found is that what you need to make it is, is already there. Um, oftentimes, we've just been kind of layered with this, you know, belief and with this conditioning that, you know, we, we can't be enough, you know. And so a lot of what I've found of personal development isn't as much necessarily building myself up. But it is almost like an onion, almost like peeling myself back into my core of really who I was, you know, because when you think of really when we're children, you're fearless, you know, you're not worried about what other people think of you, you know, you're not scared of falling down when you try and stand up and walk or, you know, saying goo goo gaga when you tried to say mom, you know, like there's just there's this sense of 
continuous progress and progression that you have. And then, you know, we get to this point as humans where we just kind of stop having that mindset. We start kind of getting this fixed mindset where we have an identity that's been given to us by our friends, our family, our media, you know, the teachers, whoever it is. And then we get to this point of we almost want to defend that identity. And, and, and so I think it's getting back to your roots of who you are um, and who we were born to be. Um, is, is really a big thing about personal development. And then the impact it had on my life is just, it's profound. You know, it was just, you know, I didn't know that you could just wake up, write something down on a sheet of paper and actually go make that happen in life. You know, like I just thought there were all of these uncontrollable and unforeseen variables that allowed these, you know, unique people at the top to get there. Um, and I didn't realize there was a predictable path, you know, and that's, that's what's so crazy is that there really is, you know, it's, it's like the man at the top of the mountain didn't fall out of the sky, right? He took some sort of path to get up that mountain. And if you can, if you can find someone who's gotten to the top and you just follow their path, you can get there, you know? And, um, and it's that, again, it's that belief that you can make that happen. I think that's the most important, most powerful thing. Amen. Yeah. The more and more people that have been successful that I find, you know, that's crazy is they're not much different than you and I, or for the listener that's right. listening. I mean, there, there are these people that sometimes you're almost like, how did this person become this person? Because when you meet them, you're like, well, what? Like this is this could have been one of your friends growing up or it just could have been someone yeah. that's no much brighter than you. I bet they don't know how to change a light bulb that much better than you, but they are good at staying consistent and being good at one particular niche and they, they focus and it's like we are one step away from you making a massive breakthrough inside of your life and it's just that belief level of, of becoming it. And it's not the whole fake it till you make it, you know, you become it till you make it, you know, be it till you make it. I love that. But I mean, Luke, you're super, you're super well connected and I feel like you do such a good job at staying in touch with people over the years. This new influencer world, it's something that's changing so quick. You're right at the front of it. I've seen all your stuff. It seems like you just have a good grasp on it. What, What do you think? What is this new influencer world that we live in? And how powerful is it when it comes to marketing and brand building? Yeah, yeah, really good question. And, um, you know, it's it's just the future. You know what I'm saying? It's like what what for me, I'm a I'm a student of history. I, I think the best way to study the future is to look at the past. And um and, and really what marketing is at the end of the day is the attention. You know, where the attention is is where the marketing is. You know, back in the day people would wake up and they, you know, read their newspaper and then they drive to work, listen to their radio, they, you know, li- you know, read a magazine maybe at work while just being bored, then they'd come home, they'd turn on the TV, you know, and, and where was the print ad? You know, where's the money? It was in radio ads, it was in print ads, in magazines, in TV, com- or in um, newspapers, and, you know, it was on TV commercials, and that's because that's where people's attention was, you know, but, but now when you look at where people's attention is, it's like, what do they do? They wake up and they're staring at their phone, they're driving to work, and, you know, half of them are still staring at their phone, you know, like you go to go to you get to work. They're still looking at their phone. Like people are obsessed with this thing. You know, there's this wild um, there's, a, there's a pretty cool app on like an iPhone. It's not even like it's an app. I think it's just a setting where you can actually go in and like look and see the hours logged like in each application and all those things. And it's nuts. You know, they're saying that the average millennial now is spending up to four hours a day on social media just scrolling. You know what I'm saying? Like. It's crazy to think about. And who are they looking at? You know, they're looking at these influencers. They're looking at these people. And so where is all the attention going? It's going there. But what's even more powerful about it is that these people look at them every day. You know, they see their stories. They feel like they know these people. And so it's this unique thing where you can actually leverage technology to build the relationship and create trust with someone that you've never met before and never even really had a conversation with, but yet they see you every single day. They know what you're about because you transparently, authentically go and share that. Um, and, and there's this incredible ability to be able to move a consumer into purchasing, you know, because there's that trust that is, that is there. And so again, when I think of this influencer world, I just think it's the future. And I also think that it's, this is no different than how it's really always been. You know what I'm saying? Think about it just back in the day with professional athletes like Nike. How did they build their whole brand by by leveraging influencers? But they weren't called influencers back then. They were just called professional athletes. You know what I'm saying? But they had all the influence, you know, like you think of rappers, you know, same game. It's like these people go and leverage each other's influence. But now we're in this unique world where anyone can really become an influencer. It's 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 an open it's an equal opportunity. 
And I think, honestly, in the future, a huge opportunity is going to be connecting micro influencers with, you know, local businesses, like local micro influencers with local small businesses and creating some sort of symbiotic relationship that's mutually beneficial between those people. I think that's going to be a huge future of advertising, to be honest. Oh, amen. Amen. And I love what you said. Anyone can become an influencer because it's the truth. And it's like just deciding what you want to become an influencer in. I think that's that's a uh, a tricky thing you got to ask yourself, but you really got to ask yourself, what do you love to do? What do you like to do? What do you do every day? What do you find yourself doing without anyone asking you to do it? You know, do you like, are you obsessed with baking? Like, would you bake every single day? Well, why not make a video about it and share it to the world? It can go absolutely viral and change your, you change your life, which is such an awesome time because you see success stories boil up practically overnight. And I feel like it's almost like we're getting back to that quote, comparing a day one to chapter chapter one to chapter 20. It's like you should feel rushed. You should feel like you got to make take action now because people are taking action and people are changing their lives over freaking night. And um, Luke, your 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 company invigorate. You guys are at the forefront of of taking advantage of this this new wave. And it seems like you have really come a long way. I would love to kind of hear the background of, of where this thing came from and and just kind of your experiences so far. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, Invigorate, I think like a lot of things, you know, I think that a lot of the, let's say it's darkest before the dawn and Phoenix is rising from ashes and all these things, you know, I think just a lot of a lot of great ideas are birthed out of necessity, you know, and um, and that's really where it was for me, you know, as I, I tried a couple companies, some things happened and they didn't work out the way I thought they were going to work out. I was kind of married to a particular industry and thought that's what I was going to do forever. And then I just had some things happen that, again, kind of like just turned me off to it. And I was like, you know, what? I just want to bet on me, you know, because there are some times where I bet on, you know, I was a partnership and it just didn't work out. And so I'm like, man, where can I when can I bet on me? Um, and, and it started really after, you know, one of the companies that I worked with, with Tabu, there was just, the funding just dried up, you know, the company was doing, you know, a million a month in a different company or a different country. And there was some geopolitical stuff that froze merchant accounts and, you know, it was just all this stuff where now it just couldn't keep going, you know? And, um, it was just like, all right, dang, here we start again. Well, what do we do now? You know, what do we do? And, um, it's kind of like what you said is it's like, well, what are you just naturally good at and what do you enjoy doing? And like, one thing that I always loved doing was this branding and this marketing, like even for my companies that I was in, I was in a network marketing company where, you know, they provided all the branding and marketing, yet we started our own media company within it, created all the YouTube channels, did all the, you know what I'm saying? We just, we always kind of, I always loved doing that. And, um, and then I was connected to an individual um, out in California for a company and, and he was launching an affiliate program with a very large company. And, um, you know, he had me come out there, work with him on some things. And I realized that my information and knowledge in this space could actually make me money. You know, it was actually worth money. And, and I kind of got introduced to consulting and getting paid for my strategy and my knowledge. And I was like, wow, this is this is pretty cool. And so that's kind of where it started. And I did that for a few months, worked with a couple of different companies. And that was great, you know, and, and I was like, okay, cool. I can bet on me with this, which is good. But then I had one of my, um, one of my friends and, uh, and actually a previous business partner and now my current business partner with Invigorate, he kind of came up to me and was like, listen, he's like, I have this, um, you're doing a lot of this digital marketing consulting, you know, type thing. And, um, you know, I have a really cool technology. He's like, it can, it can attract, you know, targeted followers within Instagram and it helps people grow their accounts and it's super, super valuable. And so I was like, I'll try it. I tried it out in my own account. I saw some, you know, really, really good results with it. And honestly, my, my mind went back to the network marketing world where, you know, a lot of people on network marketing, they run out of their warm market. They don't know who to talk to. And a great place to go for that is social media. Um, and, and also the power of building a brand, you know, and how you can attract people versus, you know, just going out and trying to recruit all of them. You can attract them to you. Um, by building it in a brand. And so I saw how I could, I could add value to that. And so that's what we did. We started going back to some of those contacts, showing them the technology, getting them on it, creating some success stories. And then there's the word of mouth buzz started happening. And we, you know, ended up adding in a, a program called just four for free, where if you refer four people, you know, it was cheap anywhere from like 150 to $500 a month. So affordable, um, you know, you get yours for free. And then that's, and then it started really growing because you think of kind of like, you know, your social media growth, it's it's very public, right? Just like if someone loses a hundred pounds, you know, like you see them and now you see them and they look completely different. So what do you do? You ask them like, what did you do? You know, like what did you do? 
And um, that's the same thing with social media. If someone's, you know, followers, you know, they're at a thousand after three years of building their Instagram. Now, after two months, they're at 3000 or 4000. People are like, what did you do? And so this word of mouth, natural buzz started happening. And when we added that for for free program, it incentivized our customers to refer other customers. Um, and that's when it really started growing. And, um, you know, it took kind of a life of its own. And then, you know, what we kind of decided is that we had a, like probably 100 clients at this point. And um, they came back to us and they're like, hey, you're doing great with Instagram. You know, can you do Facebook? Can you do websites? Can you, you know, do this and that? And um, you never want to say no to business, right? Like you never want to say no to business because if they don't do it with you, they're going to do it with somebody else. And so, you know, we're like, well, you know, yeah, we're working on that, you know? So then we came together, we're like, how are we going to do this? Um, and so we decided that we wanted to become a full-scale digital agency where we provide everything. Um, but at the same time, we didn't want to go and hire a bunch of employees, like a website guy for four grand a month and then a, you know, a Facebook guy for another eight grand a month, you know, because it's just too much overhead. You don't need it, too much risk. Um, and all those things. So like, how can we solve this problem? And, um, and then we started thinking, we're like, well, you know, we, we have something of value. We have like a hundred clients here that are all looking for these services, you know? And then we started to study these other agencies and a lot of agencies specialize in something like these guys specialize in Facebook ads. These guys specialize in website design. These guys specialized in, you know, in Instagram or whatever, Google AdWords, SEO, right? They all specialize in something, content creation. Um, and we, we specialize in something at this point, which is Instagram growth. And so we're like, well, what if we just create strategic partnerships? So we started contacting agencies saying, Hey, listen, we have a hundred clients. Some of them are looking for, let's say the Facebook ad agency, Facebook ads. And we want to, you know, we're now testing out and, and qualifying potential partners that we are going to drive all of our sales to for Facebook. And so we basically said, Hey, you can expect to get, you know, X amount of clients from us per month. Um, and, and, and it can drive this amount of revenue and we're going to need to get it at this price. You know, can you go and do that? Um, and so then for them in their eyes, they now got to expand their, you know, basically their sales. They, they had a, they have access to a whole sales team. Now our sales team and all of our clients that they didn't have access to before, you know? And so for them, they're stoked because they just, they just now can, you know, sell a bunch more stuff, right? For us we got to take on additional, we got to basically expand our product offering without taking on any additional risk. Um, and then vice versa. We then gave our Instagram service to that Facebook place where they could now go to their clients who already trusted them with Facebook and say, hey, we now have an Instagram service for you as well. And so we ended up kind of just creating all of these different partnerships where, you know, they would offer our services. We would offer their fair services. We do it at exclusive discounted rates due to the volume that we were giving each other. And when it comes to sales and it allowed us to expand our product offering like massively um, without taking on any additional risk. And the best part about it is that, you know, again, we could we could be confident that it was quality stuff. Because, you know, we, we knew the agencies we were working with and, and we also, um, you know, knew their infrastructure. And so now we're scalable, right? Now we're scalable and we don't have to go and hire 50 employees. We can just make these partnerships. And so that's kind of how we started building this thing out to where now, you know, we're a full scale agency where we can, we can, we can offer really anything and we can take on 50 to 100 clients tomorrow and we'd be able to scale and manage all of that. Amazing. Yeah, the scalability is the hardest process of building any repeatable sales model, especially when you look into the idea of starting to raise money. I mean, that's an issue that every company is going to run into. It's like, do you actually have a repeatable sales model? Or do you just kind of find this little glory hole that you start reaping off of? The big lesson I learned there is you offered value. You know, you had something to offer, and because you have something to offer, that is valuable to other people. And I think people listening to this, what do you have that's valuable to offer? What can you offer the marketplace? Because you would be so surprised by what you can come into based on just what you're you're putting out into the world, putting out into the the market and, and what it's gonna come back with. So that is that is super valuable. I mean, you're just taking what you're good you're you're best at and outsourcing the things you're not which saves yep. you a lot of money than having to hire a bunch of virtual assistants as well because you're creating these partnerships. So amazing. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, I'll add on and just like, I mean, to stress what you just said. I think this is one of the most important things in business is just, like you said, double down on your strengths and then leverage the rest. You know, it's like, because your strengths 
you know, are someone else's weaknesses and someone else's weaknesses are your strengths. And so one of our core fundamental principles as a company is collaboration versus competition. You know, collaboration is, gr is greater than competition. That's a core principle that we have because we want to collaborate with everyone and everywhere because we're very aware of what we're good at, but we're also very aware of what we're bad at. And so therefore we just go and find other people who are good at what we're not good at. And oftentimes what you'll find is that your strengths and weaknesses are aligned. You know, like if you're really strong in this area, you're more than likely weak in this area. Like some people are very imaginative, you know, they have great imagination, great ideas, visionary, but oftentimes those people are less accountable and less dependable, you know, and, and then vice versa. The people who are extremely dependable, extremely accountable, extremely da 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 da. That's great, but oftentimes they lack a little bit of the vision and the imagination. And so it's like there's this there's this polarity between it. And if you can just identify your strength and then also identify your weakness and be very pragmatic about this and be very honest with yourself. You're not being negative when you say I'm bad about this. You're just being honest. You're being real. You know, I'm I'm not as good at this, right? And some people I in the beginning I used to never say I'm bad at anything because I was like I'm not putting that negative energy out like I'm not but it's like there's a there's a difference between, you know, being an, an ignorant idealist, you know, and, and just being a, a realist. And so now I consider myself a pragmatic idealist, um, you know, where I where I'm just very pragmatic and real with myself. But at the same time, I, I believe in the best possibilities, you know, and I'm an optimist in that way. Amen. Yeah. Uh, negative. And I love what you said about that. It's like anything you think is what you attract. I know uh, we've read Think and Grow Rich and it's like what you think about day after day after day is what's going to ultimately end up and turn into your life. And it's like I've noticed that just going through some personal health issues that like I almost don't like that phrase anymore. Because it's hard not to think of certain negative things because, you know, they do end up coming into your life. But sometimes things are negative. It's okay to be real about things being negative. You don't always have to be super happy 24-7. You can break down. Everyone's going to go through these, these, these moments in their life that are just key breakthrough moments. And what it's crazy is that all these times when everything, just the ship sinks and everything, the shit hits the fan, life just seems to be falling apart, is when you end up falling into something so much better. And it's like we talk about this story brand, building your brand. People don't want to listen to a shitty story. You know, people don't want to hear about the person that joined the first company and then went up all the way to the top. I mean, we were both involved with Vima. Unbelievable experience. Amazing. And it's crazy that the people that were successful in it went on to continue to become successful in many different other aspects because guess what? Businesses come and go. That is part of the world. You know what I mean? But it's like just just constantly rising and, and, and going into that, building that belief in yourself. And clearly you have developed a strong belief in yourself over over time. So, I mean, do you have like a, a particular process when you make big decisions because you've you made a lot of big decisions bro like you've yeah <laughs> you've, you, and a lot of people rely on your decisions which is important to think mm -hmm. what, what do you kind of think about when you're making a big decision yeah that's a really good question um and i do i do have a process i do have a process when it comes to it my um my mom gave me a phrase when i was younger she says you know always follow your heart but take your brain with you and um, and that's what I try and do my best when it comes to, you know, making a decision. The first thing I do is I just identify as many facts as I can. You know, what are all the facts like what? Like I try and get as clear of a picture as I possibly can. Like I, I don't want to see the good. I don't want to see just the bad. I don't want to see just the other. I want to see all of it. Like I just want to get a clear picture of reality of what this is, pros, cons, everything. And so this is this is all logic driven, you know, on this end, it's all logic driven. Um, and, and for me, it's just like, you know, if, for example, if this is a big decision in a, in a relationship, it's the same thing, you know, it's like, what are the facts? What are the real, what's the logic behind this thing? And then I, my, my goal is to get as clear of a picture of reality as possible, you know, like, because I think that the biggest reason most people make bad mis mistakes is just improper assumptions. You know, like distorted perceptions of reality where they didn't know one thing. You know, it's like, and oftentimes there's a lot of, you know, I've, I've heard them called black swans, these little things that you don't really know are there, but there's always that, that stuff. You know, like when you think you've got it all, 
keep asking because there's probably two or three little things that you're not knowing about that if you know about them, that would change everything, you know? And so what are those things? And so that's, that's the first thing, investing all my energy of just identifying and facing reality, you know, and just, and just looking at it and observing it, you know, not feeling emotionally pulled either way, you know, like just observing reality as it is. Then second thing I do is I really pray, you know, I, I really, I go to God, you know, it's, it's, it's for me, it's a huge, important part of who I am. Um, you know, I think having a higher power in your life, however you label that, if it's the universe, if it's God, if it's whatever, you know, I think, I think believing in something bigger than yourself and believing that there is, you know, for me, a creator out there that is, is looking over me and that ultimately has a plan that's predetermined for me. And it's really my job just to identify his will and his plan of what that is and step into that. I think, I think that belief has served me a lot. Um, simply due to the fact that when these big decisions come, um, I have the, the confidence to make them, um, you know, because I just, I know I'm, I, I, I really believe everything's going to work out to my ultimate advantage somehow, some way. Like I really believe that. Um, and I feel like I'm being looked after in that way. And so I think, I think that's important in that side. And then I, I just do my best to listen in that thing. And so I feel my gut and what my gut is telling me. Um, and so now the first is really, like I said, the pragmatic just reality side of things. Now I'm more of just kind of like a feeling type thing of kind of like what my gut is going with me and the higher power. And the final thing I'll do is, um, you know, as I go and I ask for wise counsel, you know, I have people in my life that I trust um, and, and, and I want to ask them, you know, how, what they think. And my, and my real goal for this is not to, for them to just say, yes, do it. What I want more than anything is thoughtful disagreement. I want people to think like opposite of what I think I should do because then I can see their perspective and it gives me a more clear vision of reality, right? It gives me a more clear perspective of what's really going on. And so I want that thoughtful disagreement and I want to see things through their eyes so that I can, again, get a more clear picture of what's true. Um, and then, you know, once I, I can see really what's true and I get these opinions, then I go back to the end. And at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a decision between me and my, and me and God and me and my gut, you know, and, um, I take all those things into account, but then I, I just go with what I really feel, um, more and more than anything, I go with what I feel is right. Um, and that's how I do it. Very cool. I, I like how you mentioned the intersection of, of, of a higher power. Personally, something I've struggled with in my life. It's something I'm kind of tapping into and learning. But I like how you described it because every, that's going to be different for everyone. There's so many different religions and belief systems. And like you said, whether you look at the universe or God or whoever it is, I think it's important to know that everything is the way it needs to be. I mean, it's just a much more comforting thought, especially when everything you know falls apart. You're like, okay, well, I'm in the right hands. And getting your mind right, getting that feeling of feeling okay is going yeah. to make you so much better. And I also liked how you, the wise counsel, Elon Musk, incredible human, he says his he's got a really small group, a really small core group of friends. In one of his interviews, he talked about this. And he said that his best friends are the ones that call him out on a consistent basis. Yeah, His best friends are the ones that disagree with him, that don't say what he wants to say. Because it's easy to surround yourself with a bunch of people that say, yeah, you can do it. You can believe. But sometimes it's going to take a really good friend to be like, yo, bro, dude, like, no, you should probably not pedal a van full of weed across the country. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes you just need someone to let you know or whatever it is, whether you're building a business, whether it is, you need a friend looking after you. It's these big decisions that change everything for us. And out of all of your different experiences throughout your I mean, short career, but like, is there any time that you would recommend that you really hit rock bottom? Like the, the, the deepest rock out of it? Was it when, you know, Vimo? Was it with Tabu? Was there any time where you really were like, shit, man, like like the longest slump that you've ever encountered? Yeah, yeah, that's a really, that's a good question, honestly. I haven't had someone ask me that. Um, and, and the answer is yes, for sure. I mean, I know I have. I'm trying to think of exactly when that would be. And I would honestly, I would say it was probably, I would say it was probably, here's the interesting thing is that like when one part of my life went to the bottom, other parts of it went up. So like there was a point last year, like right before 2018 started where, you know, I, I just broke up with my girlfriend of five years. You know, I was going to have to move across the country. 
for a business deal that I didn't really that that now wasn't even looking like it was gonna go through. You know, I went all in on this crazy like New Year's party that was like a six figure investment, and like the partners just like messed up on the whole thing, and they're pulling out, and they're not trying to be liable for any of the money that was there. So now I owed all this money that was there, and like I didn't know how the heck I was gonna go and pay for it, like. What Tabu like wasn't going, you know, it's like we just heard this news about the geopolitical thing. And it's, so it's like the main cash flow agent is now dried up. You know, like I, I, you know, have this invigorate thing going, but it's like we just started. We did like 10 grand in a month and I have four partners. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not a lot of money. Um, and, and I remember just like breaking down at that point, but at the same time, like at, at that moment too, like right when I hit that rock bottom. It was interesting because then I had, you know, the love of my life come into my life, literally, you know, in that moment, you know, is where I met my now fiance. Um, and, um, and and I knew right away, like I, I knew right away. And, and so my business life was at the lowest it has ever been. But my relationship life was at the strongest it had ever been because I was now tight with my family again. I was going back to my mom being transparent, honest, killed the ego. I went back to my, now I knew my real friends because like, you know who your real friends are when you don't have anything to give anyone anymore. You know, it's like, who's still there? And so I, now I knew who my real friends were. I was closer with my family. I'd met the love of my life. And so like, while my business life was down here, you know, my, my relationship life was right here. And I think it was this moment. You know, where again, I, I label it as God, you know, I believe that he was trying to show me it's like, stop defining your self-worth and your value and your identity solely based off of financial success in business. It's not what really matters. You know, it's not what really matters. It's like at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I found happiness in that moment, you know, because I shifted what, what I defined as success. You know, and I realized, man, if I got a room, a house or like a bed to sleep in, house over my head, I got food. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to get repo. I'm not going to repo right now. Like, I'm not, I'm not in this situation yet. You know, my, I have a family that loves me and supports me. I have a girlfriend. I have friends that care about me. You know, if I ever really need anything, I can get up. I know people I can call that would help support me. And so it was like in that moment, my priority shifted. I used to always say it was God, family, success as my priorities in my life, but it wasn't. That wasn't what it was. It was success and like, you know, everything else is just kind of there. And, um, and that was really my priorities because at the end of the day, your actions reflect your true priorities. And that's what my actions reflected. And so like in that moment of like turmoil and like ego death and like just like I felt like such a piece of crap, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I, I actually birthed kind of a new identity of who I am, you know, and, um, and in that, in like sense, that moment, like everything is just, it's, it's like, it's a new season. That's what happened. It was like the winter was over at that point. It's yeah, it got to that darkest dawn and now a new season starts to come. And you know, now it's, I've been really blessed these last couple of years in business. So it's, it's just crazy how that works. Right, man. Incredible. You shed that, you shed the skin and there you go. You're you're a phoenix. You're getting reborn. You're flying away. You're feeling good. But we get so tied up, especially just from talking to a lot of people in your 20s and your 30s, mostly your 20s. It seems like all we can think about is becoming successful, making millions of dollars, like hitting that, hitting those those wavelengths. Then we're going to be happy. But then when you yeah. encounter anybody after their 50s, they're they're so focused on their family and and things that really matter. And it's like it's just crazy to see the different perspectives of people as they grow and as they mature. But to, to circle back, in terms of things that people can do every single day to become successful. So like if I'm a business owner right now and I'm, I want to start a business, I want to maximize my daily activities, but I really don't have a good routine. Maybe I work a nine to five right now, but like the routine's tough. Like when can I bucket in areas to find time to work that side hustle, to work that part-time job. What kind of has evolved into your sort of daily method of operations, whether it be a, a morning routine, whether it be certain foods or something you're eating that you think are giving you like super natural powers? What has kind of been your daily method of operations at this point to, to make you the most successful? Yeah, really good question. Um, and, 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 and I'll tell you, it comes down to this, you know, what, what gets scheduled gets accomplished. Um, you know, that's, that's just what I found in my life. You know, what gets scheduled gets accomplished. If I write it down in my calendar, I pick a time out and I defend that time. It gets done. You know, if I don't, it just doesn't get done. And so what, what is most important for me 
is becoming intentional with my schedule. You know, like I've really started to look at time in a different way. Um, you know, and it's like these little, little blocks that I can use for everything. And so like what I do is I break my life up into six different areas. Um, and this is how I define a successful life. You know, it's mental, physical, spiritual, business, social relationships. Um, and within each and every single one of those areas, I have daily habits that I hold myself accountable to. For example, like with mental, I need to, you know, read at least 10 pages and listen to 30 minutes of an audio. For spiritual, I need to meditate and I need to read, you know, the Bible, you know, so it's, and pray, I need, you know, so, it, and I have all of these, you know, for my social, I need to, you know, text my mom that I love her. I need to go and text my girl and my fiance that I love her. You know, like it's, I have every, every area has its own daily habits and routines. Um, and, and what I do to organize it, I literally have a list. I don't have an, I don't have an next right now or else I'd show you um, where I have a list of what all of these that they are. And, and I think there's about like right now I have 17, I call them dailies that I have to do. And all of them fall within these, this six variety categories, dailies I need to do. And every time I do one, I just, I just check it off, you know, and I check it off. And then I, I, at the end of each day, I add up my total score. So maybe today I got 16 out of 17. You know, maybe this day I got 17 out of 17. Maybe this day it was eight out of 17, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And then at the end of the week, I, I add up my total score and then I just, I do a little math and I basically grade myself. You know, how did I do this week? Did I get an A? Did I get a B? Did I get a C? Did I get a D? Did I get an F? You know, and, and what I do is I always, I always make sure that I'm an A or above because if I didn't get an A, usually what it means is I tried to do too much in that week, you know, so I cut it down. You know, I cut it down and maybe it just starts with one daily that you do, you know, it's just every day I'm going to make a phone call every day. I'm just going to wake up and I'm going to read while I go to the bathroom in the morning. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what it is. It starts small, you know, but the key is to start with something and then schedule it in your day and then just do it, you know, and that builds confidence, you know, and that builds confidence. And once you get in the habit and a routine of doing that one thing, then you're like, you know what? I can maybe add this other thing. And then maybe I could add this other thing and I could add this other thing to where now, you know, my days, I mean, I wake up at literally at 5 a.m. every morning, you know, and I have a specific routine that I do and, and my days are scheduled until 10 p.m. You know, people have nine to five. I have a five to 10. You know, it's what I do every day, literally every single solitary day. And I just hold myself accountable to it. And it's and this is the thing. This is how you get ahead. You know, like I'm 20, I'm 26 years old right now, but I have been working 16 hour days since I was 19. You know what I'm saying? And you have some 50-year-olds who are working four hours a day, three hours a day, you know? And so when you just add up the math, you know what I'm saying? Like, I actually have more experience than a lot of 50-year-old entrepreneurs because I've just been doing this for longer, you know? Like, just in more time, you know? So I, I do my best to condense time frames, you know, and get super intentional. And to be honest, this was the hardest thing for me because I'm naturally in a creative. I'm naturally a visionary. I'm naturally, like, you know, like the imagination type guy. That, that's who I am. And naturally, people that are like that are less dependable, less organized. Like, that's, that's just how the brain works. You know what I'm saying? It's just how it goes. And, um, and so for me, this has been a struggle for me to figure this stuff out, you know? But it was a struggle that I knew when I – like, you talk about the levels, different devils. You know, I'm like, when I defeat this devil of, like, you know, procrastination and disorganization and lack of intention, I'm like, I'm going to be – I'm going to be unstoppable, you know? And so, like, I'm still working on defeating this devil like it's still a conscious competence for me right where i have to put my focus and my effort and my energy into it but i'm very confident that i continue to do this for the rest of this year next year you know soon i don't know when but sooner rather than later it will become unconsciously competent you know i'll create new neural pathways in my brain they'll be wrapped with myelin the more i fire down this energy down that 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 cell you know it's and it's and that's how it works you know it's 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 called the neuroplasticity of the brain like you actually can make new synaptic connections within your brain and it's not woo woo spiritual stuff it's 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 reality it's 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 just how it works you know and um and so my biggest piece of advice to everyone i know it's a long answer to your short question but it's start with something all right start with something if that's one thing you do every day just put it in your schedule say i'm gonna do this thing at this time tomorrow and then do it and then the next day do the same thing again and it's like it's like will smith had this example of you know his when he was like 10 or 12 or something like that his dad was like hey you got to build this wall and he's like what are you talking about build a wall like i don't want to build a wall i'm 12 years old you know and um he's like you gotta build a wall and he sat there you know he just sat there for like a year he said i didn't do anything 
And then one day he's like, he's like, I gotta freaking do this thing. And he's like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take this brick. I'm just gonna lay it there. And then that's what he decided. He's like, I'm just gonna lay one brick a day. And that's what he started doing. That next day, he just put all of his energy in taking that brick and laying it as perfectly as possible. And then the next day, he took all of his energy in laying that next brick and taking it as perfectly as possible. And he did that again and again and again and again and again and again. And eventually what happens is you have a wall, you know, and, and, and that's life. And that brick is your habits. That brick is your intention. That brick is the, is the scheduled intentional activity that you're going to take. It's like, what are you going to do tomorrow? You know, lay that brick. And then do it again tomorrow and the next day. And if you, like I said, it's a direction. It's a direction. And when you start heading in this direction, it builds and it compounds. And you'll look back in, in, in two years, three years, and you'll be mind blown of who you are and how much you can get done in a day. It's just, it's crazy. Woo! Damn! Someone, someone get the fire department, put out the mic. <laughs> so, so much brain berries just getting dropped. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Luke, I think it's you who first introduced me to Rob Sperry. Um, I don't, you didn't introduce me directly, but I knew about him through you and knowing about what you were up to. And we had Rob Sperry on the podcast recently, and he described the dailies as minimums. You know, what yeah. are your minimums? What are you going to do every single day when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you don't want to show up to work, when everything, you know, you've yeah. worked a nine to five, you had to go to the gym, you have to cook a meal, you have to do the laundry, you have to do the dishes. You're just like, wow, like what, when am I going to have time to make that call? When am I going to have time to sell product? Like when, are, right. but what are those minimums that you're doing every single day based on those minimums is how you can define a person uh, based on what you're doing every single day. So that that's very powerful. I saw a lot of correlations there. And I think another thing that's really interesting and getting different perspectives on is all of the different ways today where people can invest money in which bucket of investment excites you the most, would you say? Yeah, I mean, the reality is that not every bucket will ever continuously grow. All right, this is this is reality. You know, there's bull markets and bear markets and there's there's four asset classes. You know, there's real estate, there's um, you know, your commodities like such as precious metals and, you know, now crypto is in that is in that bucket as well. Um, you have businesses and then you have paper assets, you know, and these are these are the four different assets. And in paper assets is IRA, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, like a whole whole nine yards. Right. And so every asset that we can invest in will fall into one of those four categories, you know, and I, I stole that from Robert Kiyosaki. And so the question that you got to ask yourself is 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 what what time what 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 time like what is the best bucket now you know what i'm saying it's like just because you know the stock market's gone up by 12 percent for the last 60 years doesn't mean that it's going to keep doing that for the next 60 actually it's pretty likely that it's not going to do that because what's the basic of investing is buy low and sell high and so if it's the highest it's been for 60 years is this smart to probably invest in that like it's just, it's just i don't know you know i don't think so and so I look at something like real estate, you know, real estate in, in 08 and 09, I would have invested in real estate. But I mean, to me, it's right back to where it was, if not potentially a little bit further, you know, and it's like it's it's at their back at highs. You know, everything is back at highs and it's buy low, sell high. But the issue is that people are emotional investors. Think of Bitcoin. When did most people invest in Bitcoin? At like 15 to 16 G's. Why? Because the FOMO, the fear of missing out, it's like, oh my gosh, there it is. You know, and it's like, so the issue is that everybody invests emotionally. That's the issue. And and they don't want to miss out. They have this FOMO. And so when they see it going up, they just like, ah, oh, you know, I need to invest. But that's the complete opposite. What you want to look at is what's down. What's the lowest it's been in a long time? You know, so I look at things like silver, for example. Silver is at, right now it's at $15, I think, or 14 or 13, something along there. In 2010, it was at $50. You know, that's less than, that was less than 10 years ago, you know, and that's a 5x return if it just goes back to what it was in 2010. You know what I'm saying? You look at something like crypto. I think crypto right now is a good investment because, I mean, it was at 20,000. Now it's in Bitcoin, for example, is down at three. You know, like I, it's low, it's lower than they've usually been. And so, you know, for me, what I, what I focus on is I focus on cash flow though, you know? So it's like my favorite asset class is businesses because guess what? I can control it. You know, I, I can't control when the price of Bitcoin goes up or when the price of silver goes up or when the price of the real estate, you know, goes up or when the price of stocks go up. Like we can't control that with our action, with our energy. You know, but what I can control is whether or not my business pushes out more volume, you know, whether or not it goes and I make more sales. 
And so what I do is I put I, I put all my focus, you know, into my businesses. I'm like energy wise so that I can get more money coming in on a monthly basis. And then I take a percentage of that and I invest it into the other asset classes. You know, right now I'm pretty heavy into the precious metals and cryptocurrency one because I think there's about to be a shift. You know, I think real estate and stocks are the highest they've ever been and these are the lowest. And the cool thing about, about you know, wealth and purchasing power is that it can't be decreated or destroyed. It can only be transferred. And so if these asset classes go down, something else has to go up. And historically, when you look at that, it's always been these these assets with a, with a store of value, you know, such as a gold, a silver, you know, and now never have we ever had crypto because it's only been around for the last seven years. So no one really knows where it's going. So it's still a very speculative asset and much more risky. But, you know, to me, um, you know, I've done enough of my research where I'm confident in the long term of it. And I'm not married for what happens in the next year or two years. I'm looking at where it's going to be in three to five, you know, and I'm not even thinking about it. I'm not even going to look at it until that happens because that was my plan. So I'm not going to let my emotions drive my behaviors, you know. So my real goal right now is I'm stacking up in those asset classes. I believe the stock market and the real estate aid bubble will, you know, will just the whole markets will go down. I believe precious metals and, and cryptocurrencies will go up when that happens. And then guess what I'm going to do? everybody's going to now be going and taking their money out of the stocks and real estate and putting it into precious metals while it's going up. And then I'm going to be taking my money out of precious metals and out of silver. And I'm going to be buying the stocks and the real estate while they're down, you know, because that's what you should do. And that's how you make money. You know, they say that the best, I think it was, um, I forget what Rothschild it was, but one of the Rothschilds said the best time to buy is when there's blood on the streets. And, um, and it's a fact, you know, when people are in panic, when, you know, seven, you know, like when these things happen, if you can be prepared for that and you don't get emotionally knocked off when you go and you look into your, you know, your account and you're down 150K, you know, because you've been prepared, you have it in a different place, you know, and you can emotionally stay stable, think logically in these greatest, you know, times of tribulations are the greatest times of opportunity, you know, but you got to do your research on it, you know, and that's. That's why I just tell people, it's like, just, just study history, do your research. Like, go look at this guy. He's really good. His name is Mike Maloney. Go look at Hidden Secrets of Money on YouTube. It's like eight different YouTube video series, 30 minutes each. And it just, it just explains to you the history of money. And most people don't have any, they have no idea how, where money come from? How did it work? Like, what's the Federal Reserve? Like, they don't, they don't even know what these things are, you know? And so it's like, just do a little bit of research, check it out, and then make your own opinions. You know, because at the end of the day, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I've found and what I'm doing. You know, and people can go and do whatever they want. Other than that, <laughs> yeah, great, great description there. And uh, it, it, we're always just constantly trying to prepare ourselves and advise ourselves on making the right decisions. And we're taking the knowledge we know now and making the best decision off those knowledge. But everything's going to change. Things are going to constantly move. But trying to make yourself as pliable as possible to bend around to whatever season and, and not get emotionally attached. So uh, uh, definitely mm. some major keys in, inside of that description you mentioned. And I, I love this as we're, as we're kind of chairing down. Um, there's a few staples that I, I really want to get out of you particularly because you've been through this situation so many times. What would you, if you could have went back in time, um, you know, I believe you're 26 right now? Yep. Awesome. Same age as me. What would you do if you could go back in time and say, whisper maybe one, two or three principles into your ear, maybe before you got started in Vima or, or like as a freshman in college or something that, you know, would have saved you a ton of time, money, or or just opportunity. And obviously, all of our negatives build the foundations for our positives. And some people say, "Oh, well, I would have changed a thing, right?" But like, yeah. no, like, what would you change? Like, what would you change if you had to look in and whisper one, two, or three things, principle-wise, that would have just helped you reach a new level quicker? Yeah, yeah, good question. Um, you know, number number one is I would I would have warned myself of the two barriers I think that are in front of every person that's of success. Um, and that's number one, your ego barrier. Um, and then number two are your blind spots, you know, um, because when when I was making it at a young age, you know, I was freaking 21, making 30, 40 grand a month, you know, like, 
no one could tell me anything wrong, you know, like no one could tell me anything. And so that's the funny thing is that even if I think I went back and could whisper my, you know, to my, you know, old self, I think my old self would be so ignorant. He wouldn't even listen to the advice, you know, because he would just think that he was right. You know, who are you to tell me this? I'm 21 making 40 grand a month. Like, what do you mean? You know? And so like this, this ego that comes in that makes us want to believe ourselves. You know, and makes us want to be right. And, and what happens is that as humans, we have the desire to be right, you know. And so we, we, we then get offended when people disagree with us. And we surround ourselves, you know, with people. We surround ourselves with people who are just like, you know, they're, they're just like, yes, men. You know, and like they just they just all oh, they you can't do no wrong, you know. And so it's like and that's not the people you want. You know, that's not the people you want. And so but your ego will get in that way of that, you know, and it will make you be desired for that. And then the other thing are these blind spots. It's realizing that no human alone can see clearly themselves. Everyone has a blind spot. And the only way to make up for those blind spots are to get people around you in your circle who don't agree with everything you say and having thoughtful disagreement and seeing it through their eyes. And through that, you get a clear picture of reality. And so I would be, I would tell myself, you know, keep your idealism. That's great. It's amazing. But be much more pragmatic about your approach, you know? And so it goes back to that same advice my mom gave me. It's like, follow your heart, but take your brain with you. You know, I followed my heart so much that, you know, sometimes I forgot to take my brain with me. And, um, I wish I just would have, I would, I would tell myself that. <laughs> yeah. Your ego is not your amigo. I love that. You're like, yeah. I would have been so ignorant. I wouldn't even listen to myself. I'd be like, get out of here, spirit. I don't have time for you. Look at my bank account. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's great. Now, what would you say to that person right now that is currently working, uh, say a nine to five, either doing something they hate they, they, they're miserable. They just aren't happy. The juices aren't flowing. Or maybe that they, you know, they, they like. They're, they're happy. They're, they're, they're making great money. Maybe they're making 300K a year. They got a great lifestyle. Um, they're, they're doing great on paper. They're, they're crushing it compared to their peers. But, you know, deep down, there's something else that they'd rather be doing. Like in their back of their mind, they're thinking, oh, maybe I, I could, you know, go work with animals and make one tenth the money, but I'd maybe I'd be more happy. Maybe I should say screw it all and raise wild cheetahs like Lisa Kitasaho did in, in episode seven of this podcast. You know, maybe I want to just go off and send it and start a new business, but there's something holding me back. There's something that's just not making me take those first steps. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's, it's obstacles. Maybe it's lack of money, lack of communication, lack of just belief. What would you say to that person that's right on the cusp of diving into entrepreneurship for the first time? I would tell them two things. I would I would say number one is just it's important to remember that the journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step, right? Um, it's it's just take that first step. You know, it's 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 always the hardest one. Um, and after you take it, the second one's a little easier, and the third one's a little easier, and the fourth one's a little easier. Um, and so the the key is really how can you get the key question that you have to ask yourself is how can I get myself to take that first step? You know, that's what they should all be asking themselves. It's, it's what is the first step that I need to be taking and how can I get myself to take that first step? And oftentimes it's fear that's holding them back, you know, and, and, and we as humans are motivated by fear in a big way. Um, and so what I teach people is to become more fearful of staying the same than of going forward and progressing. That's what's worked for me, you know, is being more like I'm more scared to not change than I am to change, you know, and, and the way I do that is by what I call future pacing, where you sit there and, and I do it in like a meditative state. However, you can sit in a chair and I close your eyes and just like close your eyes and imagine, you know, and, and just think of your life right now and imagine you change nothing. You do exactly what you have been doing and you keep doing it and now go forward, you know, two years, one year, now go forward three years, now five years, now 10 years. Now you have a family. Now you have kids. You're still making the same amount of money. Your kids can't afford to go on trips. They ask why their friends are wearing the nice stuff and they, you can't afford it. You know, now go 15 years, 20 years. You can't help your kids for their college. You can't help pay for their things. You know, it's like, and now 30 years, 40 years, you know, and keep going. And then you get to the end of your life and your future pacing. And what does that life look like? You know, and then go the other side. What if you take that step? What if you actually do it? What's the best case scenario? What does that life look like? 
and then go one year, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years, as far as you can go mentally, go that far. And then, you know, when you open your eyes, if you do it the right way, you're at this crossroads in life where it's like, which one do you want to go? And for me, when I do that, I am so much more scared to stay the same and not be able to fulfill my potential than I am to go take that risk, you know? And, and so again, it's all about figuring out, you know, number one, what do you need to do? All right. Then number two is figuring out how to get yourself to do it and being aware that the biggest reason you don't do it is out of fear. And so how can you trick yourself to become more scared of staying the same than of taking that step? That's heavy. That's on point. So Luke Hessler, the man behind so many different creative ideas. You're going to be seeing his name a lot everywhere you freaking go. Luke, <laughs> how can people follow you if they want to get more Luke? Yeah, man. Um, on social media, you know, my, uh, my Instagram is Luke underscore Hessler. Um, Facebook, just check out Luke Hessler. And that's um, yeah, the best place to check me out. All right, cool. So, Luke, it's been real, man. Thank you so much for hopping on the show. Can't wait to catch up later. Yeah, thank you, brother. Appreciate it. All right, peace. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones Party of Two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.